Your time right now is 6 o'clock, and welcome to WORT's local news for Monday, December 18th, 2023. I'm your host, Sam Swartz. And I'm your host, Rachel Fields. In tonight's news... This evening, a Dane County committee is slated to vote on a controversial agreement with the Air National Guard. Madison Metro Transit has canceled some bus routes in order to conduct safety inspections. Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway discusses her path to politics and the future of public transportation here in Madison. And in the second half, the government's calendar for the coming days and a man's journey from Venezuela to Madison. This is Rachel Fields and Sam Swartz with your local news, coming to you live from the WORT studios on Bedford Street in beautiful downtown Madison. Here are tonight's headlines. The interim director of state courts, Audrey Skorowski, will be hired permanently, says the Wisconsin Supreme Court. That's despite complaints filed by the previous director of state courts, Randy Kosnick. Kosnick, who was fired this summer as the state Supreme Court transitioned to a new liberal balance of power, alleges that Skorowski violated the state constitution by taking the position while also holding a judgeship. The complaints are currently before the Wisconsin Judicial Commission. Skorowski had been on leave from her position of Milwaukee County Circuit Judge while serving as interim director of state courts. The Associated Press reports that she plans to resign from her judgeship to take on the role of director permanently. She would also be the first woman to hold the position. The University of Wisconsin-Madison announced a new program today called the Wisconsin Tribal Educational Promise. It would cover the tuition for a college degree for members of Wisconsin Native American tribes. The new program would not be needs-based and would cover anyone who is an enrolled member of a federally recognized tribe in Wisconsin. It will cover costs outside tuition, including housing, meals, and books. A five-year pilot program for medical and law students would cover their tuition costs as well, reports the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The program is funded without taxpayer money, relying on philanthropy and tuition revenue from out-of-state students. It's unclear how many students are likely to take advantage of the program, since the university does not currently track what tribes its native students are from, but the number is likely to be modest in the first few years, on the order of a few hundred students. A man convicted of making a bomb threat against former Governor Scott Walker in 2018 has been sentenced. He'll receive three years in prison and two years of extended supervision. The man was already serving time when he made that threat and pleaded guilty to the charge earlier this month, according to the Associated Press. Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin announced today that it will be resuming abortion services at its Sheboygan Health Center next week Thursday. The schedule will be open today for patients looking to schedule an appointment, either online or by phone. It's the last of three Planned Parenthood clinics to reopen in the wake of Dobbs, after a Dane County judge found that Wisconsin's 19th century ban on infanticide does not also apply to abortion. That decision, though, is likely to be appealed by Sheboygan County DA Joel Ermanski, and the case could still wind its way up to the state Supreme Court. Wisconsin veterinarians have begun encountering a new respiratory disease in dog respiratory disease in dogs in the state, reports the Wisconsin State Journal. The new illness, called atypical canine respiratory disease, had emerged in other parts of the country earlier this year, but only came to Wisconsin in recent months. The new illness is characterized by a cough that lasts four to eight weeks and is not responsive to typical treatments. Currently, the cause of the new illness is unknown, but has not caused an uptick in veterinary visits. 
Meanwhile, in other health news, this time for humans, area hospitals announced today that they would reintroduce masking requirements in Dane County hospitals. That's as those hospitals report an increase in emergency department visits due to respiratory illnesses, including COVID-19. The hospitals, University of Wisconsin Health and Unity Point Health Meritor, say that masks will be required in some areas, including waiting rooms, scheduling areas, and exam rooms. Wisconsin's largest business lobbying group, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, filed a lawsuit on Thursday alleging that the state had violated open records laws when it waited a year and a half to deny a records request. The request filed in March of 2022 was for records of communications between the state's Justice Department and a law firm they had hired to pursue businesses responsible for polluting the state with PFAS, a dangerous type of pollutant that can contaminate water supplies. The state denied the request in September of 2023, citing attorney-client privilege, reports the Associated Press. As part of the complaint, the WMC is hoping to have a judge perform a confidential review and make some of the requested records public. Union members at True Stage Financial Group have ratified a new contract, according to a press release from their labor union, Office and Professional Employees International Union Local 39. The new contract includes a 13% wage hike, as well as protections for remote work and the current health benefits package. The contract comes after a multi-week strike earlier this year, the largest labor action in the Madison area since 2011, according to the Capital Times. The new contract will run through March 2028. The city of Madison is getting millions of federal dollars for traffic safety improvements. The total funding rounds out to about $6.3 million as part of a grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation. It'll go to a variety of projects as part of the city's Vision Zero plan to eliminate traffic fatalities by 2035. Many of the initiatives are aimed at enhancing safety for pedestrians, adding things like sidewalks, signage, and refuge islands for crossing larger roads. Other initiatives included protected bike lanes, traffic calming measures, and a pilot program for teens on safer driving. Most of the projects are focused on major corridors, East Washington, Schroeder Road, Regent Street, South Whitney Way, North Fair Oaks, and Winnebago Avenue. Funds would also go to things like a trial project for art on streets in order to evaluate an ordinance change that currently limits it. Madison Alder Kristen Slack announced that she would be stepping down from the Madison City Council, reports the Capital Times. Slack, who represents District 19 on the city's west side, cited a major health issue in her family as the reason for her departure. The City Council will appoint an interim alder to fill the vacancy until 2025. Interested applicants need to fill out the required paperwork by January 9th. Those were the headlines, and now on to the rest of today's top stories. Last Wednesday, Metro Transit sent an update to riders announcing service disruptions for some routes, with no immediately available date that service would resume as normal. For more on how we got there, here's WORT reporter Charlie Bielowski. The delays and cancellations are due to a lack of available buses. And that's not because the city doesn't have the buses. And the buses are probably fine to drive. But because of chronic staff shortages, the city's bus department has been over capacity and hasn't been able to keep up with the mandated safety inspections. Basically, it's a big once-over of the bus. It covers brakes, wheelchair securement, ramps, uh, suspension, tires, seating, 
lights, batteries, just giving the bus a whole once over. That's a requirement that we have to do. There's no issue on any of these buses right now. We just are behind doing these uh, mandated inspections. That's Metro Transit spokesperson Mick Roosh. He says that Metro Transit has been running behind on its mandated safety inspections because it's been struggling with staff shortages, including Metro workers, to service its buses. You've heard, obviously, our shortages of drivers through the years, but we've also, like everyone, have had um, struggles hiring mechanics. We've had a good luck during recruitment this year, and we have hired a lot of mechanics. The only problem is we have 10 of them right now that are in training, so we are training 10 mechanics, and we are also dedicating a lot of staff time to do the training. So that's how we have fallen behind on these um, these inspections. So once we get these people through training, we're going to catch up on these uh, inspections, and we hope that it's not going to last too much longer. Meanwhile, Roosh says those newly hired mechanics are being supplemented with veteran staff. He adds that the shortage and delays won't be a lingering issue, and cancellations and delays could be resolved by later this week. The list of trips that are most likely to be impacted include both morning and afternoon routes. The trips most likely to be cut or delayed, along with alternate options, can be found at mymetrobus.com. We have a plan so that people won't be surprised and they can kind of look at some of the routes that will be canceled. Uh, One of the routes that comes to mind is the Route 38, and the reason that one is on our uh, cut list is there is other service available on the Route C, and so we recommend people taking that route, trips starting at Sheboygan and Eau Claire. It's all listed uh, in order. It's basically our plan of how we're going to cut service. The staff shortage comes amidst a nationwide staff shortage for bus drivers and other personnel. According to a report released this summer by Transit Center, a foundation that researches transportation policy, more than 9 in 10 public transit agencies across the U.S. reported difficulty hiring new employees, and two-thirds report difficulty retaining employees. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Charlie Bielowski. Tonight, a Dane County committee is slated to vote on a controversial airport agreement with the Air National Guard. That meeting is currently in progress. But members of the public and several county supervisors argue that the agreement requires further negotiation and can wait until after the holidays. WORT News producer Faye Parks has the story. The joint use agreement allows the Air National Guard to use the Dane County Airport. In return, Dane County receives help with firefighting, and emergency and rescue services from the National Guard. Without the agreement, Dane County would need to pay millions more each year to maintain its own fire protection and rescue services for crashes, something that's required for the airport to stay open. The same arrangement has allowed the National Guard to use the Dane County Airport for decades and has been hashed out in similar joint use agreements. Those agreements typically last for a decade. But this joint use agreement has a new catch, a clause that releases the National Guard from legal responsibility for future litigation. That indemnification clause, critics say, could leave Dane County taxpayers and Wisconsin taxpayers on the hook for millions of dollars in future remediation. Meanwhile, a coalition of those skeptical of the agreement are raising concerns over its timing, saying that there's false urgency to pass the agreement now. They say a vote can be delayed to allow for more careful deliberation. Last month, several Dane County supervisors filed an open records request to get a clearer picture of contract negotiations this summer. They asked for correspondence between the National Guard and airport staff. Those records 
fulfilled last week and reviewed by WORT today, indicate that the Air National Guard would continue to provide services while the airport sets up its own fire and rescue services if a joint use agreement is not renewed. Supervisor Yogesh Chavla of downtown Madison says that the county board was not privy to any of this summer's initial contract negotiations. And, he says, airport staff prioritize politics rather than public health. It was hard for us to see that because they should have been focusing on policy changes and contract improvements. Critics say the emails demonstrate that the agreement isn't as urgent as characterized by airport staff. Airport Director Kimberly Jones has maintained that if the Dane County Board rejects the agreement, the Air National Guard would stop providing firefighting services after one year. Earlier today, Michael Rikers, the public information officer for the Dane County Regional Airport, told WORT the same. A Madison resident, Jake Schlachter, who says he's taken a personal interest in the agreement, says that is not what the Air National Guard stated in their email correspondence. Instead, If the county were to not renew the joint use agreement, the National Guard would continue to provide firefighting services for as long as it would take for the county to stand up its own services. So there was never a risk of destabilizing the airport, but that is exactly what was communicated by airport staff. Schlachter also says that the indemnification clause requires more specific language that wouldn't release the National Guard from future liability for ongoing use of PFAS-containing firefighting foam. According to Rikers, the county's attorneys requested that indemnification would not apply to past contamination. In emails obtained, military officials rejected those changes, stating that they couldn't modify a standard federal form. Moving forward, Supervisor Chavla listed a number of demands. We're asking them to not use PFAS in the firefighting foam, and it's available. We are asking for an indemnification clause that matches what their email exchanges say. And we're asking for a fair opt-out clause because if we opt out, it's very punitive, whereas the Air Force or the National Guard opts out, there are no consequences. But first, he says that the Personnel and Finance Committee needs to postpone their vote on the joint use agreement so that negotiations can resume. Supervisor Elizabeth Doyle of Downtown Madison is chair of the Personnel and Finance Committee. She says that, from her perspective, it would be feasible to defer a vote until after the holidays. And she expects robust discussion on the unveiled email correspondence during tonight's meeting. I think it is important for us to take a look at that and give further direction to staff before moving forward. If the committee does not defer their vote this evening, The county board is slated to vote on the joint use agreement in Thursday's meeting. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Faye Parks. The time right now is 6.20, and you're listening to the live local news on WORT. Every Wednesday from 7 to 7.30, WORT's Query brings you the latest news in Madison's LGBTQ plus community. Last week, Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway joined host Bill Kingsbury to discuss, among other things, the future of public transportation in Madison. Welcome back again to Query, Mort listeners. This is Bill Kingsbury, your host. And I'm so pleased tonight to have with me on the phone the mayor of Madison, Satya Rhodes-Conway. Elected in 2019, she is the city's second female mayor 
and the first out LGBTQ person to serve as mayor of Madison. She won re-election to her second term decisively this past spring and joins me now in the, on the program. Good evening, Mayor Sacha, and thank you for joining us. Good evening, Bill. It's great to be here. One of the things that just <laughs> struck me as I was reading your bio is you've been working in policy for a really long time. Is that kind of a superpower that you have? Well, I don't know about a, a superpower, but it is true that I am a dedicated and unrepentant policy wonk. Um, I actually didn't um, start my career in policy, though. I My degrees and my education are all in science. Um, so my undergrad is in biology and my master's is in ecology. And I didn't come to policy until later in life, actually when I moved to Madison, so 20-something years ago, um, was my first job working on environmental policy, and that was at the state level. Um, And then I transitioned into working on environmental policy at the local and the state level, and then I transitioned into just working on local policy more broadly. And I actually worked at UW-Madison for 13 years working with cities around the country on a whole range of different policy topics. And that's how I got familiar with city government and city policy and, and the opportunities of you know, how you can actually make a difference at the uh-huh. local level and, yep. and you know, make people's lives better, which ultimately was why um, I wanted to run for office. Um, when I first ran for the city council and then certainly when I ran for mayor as well. So policy is a superpower of yours. Well, again, I don't know that I'd call it a superpower, but it's certainly something that I care a lot about and right. and like to work on. And it's been interesting as mayor, um, you know, the the job is um, certainly includes policy, but um, includes a lot more than that. And that was one of the things that was most surprising to me when I became mayor five years ago is is how broad the job is. But nonetheless, I think we've been able to do some good policy work um, over the past five years and certainly have tried to influence positive policy developments at both the state and national levels um, through that whole list of organizations that you um, went through at the beginning. Um, you know, all of that is about trying to get better policy um, at the state and national levels. Because that's where rubber meets the road in terms of government is in policies and, and budgets. Yep, that's right. And it's it's really, you know, the, the ordinances we pass, the resolutions we pass at the council um, here at the city level, and and then what we spend our money on is, is really the impact that we have in our community. Speaking of rubber meeting the road, uh, one of the initiatives that you campaigned on in your first term and, and are bringing to reality in Madison is bus rapid transit. Um, we can see those stations going up. I, I tend to hang out mostly on the east side, so I see them going up on East Washington and on University mm-hmm. Avenue. What was your inspiration for bringing bus rapid transit to Madison? So I actually have been a, a student of bus rapid transit for years. Uh, first heard about it um, via the work in, in Columbia and in Bogota. Uh-huh. Um, and I actually had a, a 
opportunity to meet the mayor, uh, the current mayor of Bogota, recently. Um, it didn't start under her, but she's she's carried the work forward. And um, you know, as I was working with cities uh, around the country at UW, had the opportunity to actually visit Eugene, Oregon, which has a bus rapid transit system, and to see it in action. Um, and so when I was thinking about um, you know whether I would run for mayor or not, one of the things that I felt like Madison was behind on was investments in transit mm-hmm. and really modernizing our transit system and making sure that we did have rapid transit here, mostly because of the geography of the isthmus. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't afford to try and push more cars through there's East no Washington more room Ave for or lanes out on University. University Avenue. Nope, there's no yeah. more room. No more room. So have to find a different solution. And I right. thought that um, based on, you know, looking around the country and the world, that um, bus rapid transit was the right balance of practical and um, impactful. Because we also don't have room for train tracks. Um, exactly. And and light rail, as much as I love a good light rail system, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's exponentially more expensive than bus right. rapid transit. Um, I wish we had the real estate and the funds for it. Um, but, you know, maybe we get bus rapid transit and at some point under a different state administration or state legislature and, um, you know, we might get the funds to do a light rail system. I'm going to try and bring heavy passenger rail first, though. That's that's the next thing I'm looking for. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> just, so for people that aren't familiar with bus rapid transit and maybe they haven't read everything on the website, can you just give us a brief overview of how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the bus rapid transit uh, doesn't replace, but it complements the the rest of the bus system. And what we're doing is an initial line that will run uh, east-west or west-east, depending on your orientation, Um, uh, and just sort of go through. It goes... um, on the East Washington corridor, um, University uh, drops over to the um, hit the West Town area, and what's distinctive about it is that these are longer, larger buses, mm-hmm. and they have like, all door boarding, so um, you uh, the door is open and you can go in any door, so that facilitates a faster boarding time and a faster exit time for folks. Because you've already paid your fare before you got on the bus. Right, because you've already paid your fare. Um, and they have raised platforms so the bus doesn't have to stop and kneel down. Um, it can just pull right up and you're you're already right there to, to go on quickly. And then there's a number of different technology improvements that allow the um, rider, the the, the, the buses experience to be more rapid. That's why it's called rapid transit. It's not Mm -hmm. that the buses drive faster. It's that they have signal priority through stoplights. It's that they um, can, they have center running bus lanes. They have, and there's all these things that add up to shaving seconds, which add up to minutes off of your transit time. And one of the things that we know from studying transit all over the world is that the the shorter the transit time is, the more likely people are to ride the bus. And so it just creates a better rider experience and gets people where they're going faster and more efficiently. Um, and, um, you know, so all of that together adds up into a better experience. And we will have center running um, dedicated lanes for a bunch of the the first line, 
um, where the, you know the doors were op- open onto those center um, stations that are you see being built in the, like the middle of um, East Washington or on University or on Mineral Point right now. Um, people can see them going up around the community. So I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be a great experience. Um, we are applying for federal funding for a second line, which would run north-south, um, which I'm very hopeful that we will get. Um, but that's, uh, that is with the federal government right now. Madison's such a wonderful place to live, and we all are part of that. So I wish the best for everybody in, the, in this winter season. Thank you, Mayor Satya Rose Conway, for joining me on Query this evening. Your time this evening is 6.33, and you're listening to the live local news on WORT. I'm your host, Sam Swartz, here with my co-host, Rachel Fields. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's Monday night. Do you know where your government is and what it's doing even right now? Forward Lookout's Brenda Conkle tells producer Dylan Brogan the who, what, when, and why for this week in local government. Joining me now is Brenda Conkle from ForwardLookout.com, and we're going to go over what's happening this week in local government, and we'll start with Dane County, like we usually do. At 5.30, we have the Personnel and Finance Committee, and that starts at 5.30. What are they up to, Brenda? Well, they have a long list of items that they're doing, lots of of end-of-the-year cleanup, but probably one of the bigger things they're going to be talking about is the Airport Joint Use Agreement, um, which also may be considered at the county board meeting this week. Um, They are also purchasing some property, the Windsor Municipal Building for the Dane County Sheriff's Northeast Precinct. And they have a bunch of um, contracts and leases and other things. They'll also be amending their agreement to house people in the Rock County Jail. They're looking at expanding the broadband program that they have. So that's another one. They're going to do the collective bargaining agreement with the Dane County Wisconsin Professional Police Association. Yeah, so sheriff's deputies, I think, right? Yes. And what about the Health and Human Needs Committee, which they got started at 5.30 today? They have a pretty short agenda. They have a a lease and some contracts. Then they will be um, having some contracts for um, families who are sleeping outside to have some emergency shelter and hotels over the winter. And they will also be looking at... I believe they're going to be looking at some of the contracts that they did that were no, like there was no competition for them. And so they'll be looking at that and reviewing that. All right. Sounds good. And then Tuesday, 345, we have the tree board. They had a really long agenda for them. They're going to be looking at their own agreements about how they do their meetings. And then they have some doing some prioritization of their objectives. And so they have several goals and sub goals and objectives that they're going to be looking at. If you're interested, you may want to take a look at the the website. Okay. Also happening on Tuesday, we have at 530, we have the Equal Opportunity Commission, which we'll be looking at a slideshow and anything else. You got any more details on this? Um, yeah, they're looking at um, how they present the information about what they do to the public. And then they'll also be looking at the Henry by the Sioux workplace plan. The September version of it is the most recent one, and they'll be reviewing that. Thursday, we have the Executive Committee of the Dane County Board and then the full Dane County Board. Uh, meeting on Thursday evening. So the executive committee kicks off at 530. And then why don't you tell us what the county board's up to at seven? 
Sure. Again, that airport uh, use agreement is, uh, I think, of interest to quite a few people. So they'll be reviewing that. And then they have some updates to the comprehensive plan. Um, They'll also be looking at, again, purchasing that building for the Sheriff's Northeast Precinct um, and the Rock County Jail issue. And then they will also um, be looking at um, who they're going to contract with to make the ballots. Um, So I think that may be of interest to some folks. There's some county executive appointments. And then again, they're going to be looking at uh, a bunch of end of year stuff, but they will also be looking at uh, giving additional funds to Second Harvest Food Bank. Mm. Don't say anything about Dominion, Brenda. Exactly. (laughs) Litigious folks over there. Perhaps rightfully so, but just joking around there. I'm not sure Dominion is the one who prints our ballots. And I know we don't use them in Dane County. I think they do in Green Bay, though. Oh, interesting. All right, let's move on to the city of Madison. So just to kick us off, we have five canceled meetings. Uh, We have four (laughs) agendas that are missing and just like nine meetings with not much going on. So bear with us. It's a real wrapping up of the year happening in the city. It is. It is. (laughs) Okay. So, well, the Sustainable Madison Committee did meet at 430 today. What were they talking about? Um, So they're getting some updates. One will be from the mayor's office about PFAS and COP28. Um, and then they'll be talking about metering. Sam from Renew Wisconsin will be there. And then they're going to talk about their sustainability plan update. And then they'll be getting an update from um, MGR on sustainability topics. There was a round table that was hosted. And so he'll be giving an update on that. Very nice. Okay. Then we have the Lake Monona Waterfront Ad Hoc Committee, and that looks like, and they're meeting over at the Parks Division's Lakeside offices at 6 p.m. It looks like they're making real progress on what could be a very big project right by Monona Terrace. Yeah, so they have the final draft master plan as well as like approving the process and the work plan. Those are discussion items, but it does say possible action on master plan approval and authorization for park submission to the Common Council. So, yeah, it looks like they're getting really close to wrapping up there. And then we have some kind of a mystery, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Today at six o'clock, there was a notice of a possible quorum of the Madison Common Council at the Madison Madison College's Gateway Atrium. We just don't know why. Right. Right. Exactly. There's like nothing attached and it doesn't say what they'll be talking about. Okay. Well, maybe they're just having a good old fashioned hangout or something. (laughs) At 4 p.m. on Tuesday, we have the Ulbrick Botanical Society Board of Directors. So that'll be at Ulbrick Gardens. Nice place, that Ulbrick Gardens. So what are they talking about? Um, They'll be approving their employee handbook um, and then they are going to be looking at their 2024 budget. And uh, they will also be looking at their finance and accounting manual. Somebody really ought to look into it. You don't. Hey, these are all publicly noticed for a reason, right? They are. Yeah, maybe there's a big orchid scandal going on. (laughs) Wednesday, 530, the Alcohol License Review Committee. That never disappoints, Brenda. What are they talking about? Um, Yeah, so they have, uh, you know, a whole bunch of the, the usual things, but there are some public hearings on transferring a license over to One Dempsey Road as well as a new license at 1602 West Beltline Highway, and also new licenses at 1124 South Park Street, 823 East Washington, and 2001 Atwood Avenue. And then they do have, um, it was kind of interesting, they have um, the recent calls for service and licenses issued, but then they have an item at the end of their agenda, uh, Regina Ryan, some of you might remember her from the county board, filing a complaint against Bennett's. Um, And so that's, 
interesting. It doesn't look like it's the official way to file a complaint, but um, she's got some some words to say. What, the smut and eggs place? Yes, the smut and eggs place. In some ways, that makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it, Brenda? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> all right, Brenda. Well, we'll leave it with we'll leave it with uh, smut and eggs, I guess. All right, sounds good. Brenda Conkle from forwardlookout.com. You can check out all the meetings and agendas at forwardlookout.com. Thank you, Brenda. And what a great year. Thank you for helping us stay in the know about local government. All right. See you next year. It's now 6.41 p.m., and you're listening to the live local news right here on WORT. Last Thursday's 8 o'clock buzz, host Tony Castaneda had the opportunity to speak with Jean-Claude Alvarez, who recently immigrated from Venezuela. With the help of an interpreter, Alvarez discussed his journey to Madison. Joining me in the studio, I'm very pleased to have uh, Jean-Claude Alvarez, who's a recent arrival from Venezuela, just arrived in last year. Also, Dennis Noonan is here from the Catholic Worker Movement. I guess we'll call it. And also, uh, I would like to thank uh, Adrian Soto, who's here. She's with the Interpreters Co-op of Madison. Well, Jean-Claude, now you just arrived here. I, I, I got a call from uh, uh, Dennis. We wanted to talk about your story and your travels and your trip from Venezuela. Can you tell us about your journey to get here to Madison? Hola, Jean-Claude. Eh, yo oí de Dennis eh, que nos contó su historia. ¿Usted nos podría contar un poco su historia, su viaje, su camino aquí a los Estados Unidos? Ok, claro, perfectamente. Mi camino empezó aproximadamente hace un año. Eh, estuve viajando alrededor de un mes hasta mi llegada de Estados Unidos. Atravesé alrededor de siete países. Estuve interno en la selva del Darién que comunica Panamá con Colombia durante una semana aproximadamente. Uh, of course, and I will be glad to tell you my story. I uh, walk or travel for approximately a month. I went or walked through seven countries and I was a submerged in the Darien rainforest. It's a very dense rainforest between the border from Colombia to Panama. I was there for a month. Going through the jungle, right? Through the jungle, wow. the Darien rainforest. Now, why, why did you decide to take this journey? ¿Por qué decidió usted tomar este camino, venir hacia acá? Bueno, la razón principal, este, nuestro país había caído en una decadencia tanto política, social y económica. Había un momento en el que prácticamente el sueldo de un venezolano representaba cuatro dólares mensuales. 
algo inexplicable pero cierto. So what's the uh, the the horrible conditions that we had in our country Venezuela? Things were uh, really really bad, getting to a point of crisis, uh, politically, financially, economically. And for example, I left at a point where the monthly salary for a Venezuelan worker was four dollars. When you decided to take this journey, uh, who did you travel with? Did you travel by yourself or what? Cuando usted decidió eh, tom, eh, empezar este viaje, usted decidió venirse solo, con quién vino, en compañía de quién. Bueno, mi, la compañía fueron dos hermanos. Si mi viaje familiar interna o mis hijos y mi pareja se quedaron en Venezuela. Fue un viaje que decidí tomarlo solo porque no quise tomar el riesgo es muy muy riesgoso para mis hijos so when i decided to come and start my trip i decided to do it by myself i was in the company of two of my brothers but if you ask me about my immediate family i left my wife and my two children back at home in venezuela i thought that it was way too risky for them How does it feel now to have your wife and your children uh, in Venezuela? What would you like to bring them here? ¿Cómo se siente ahora que haya estado aquí casi o alrededor de un año cuando su esposa y sus hijos están allá en Venezuela? Eh, ¿Usted quiere traerlos? ¿Usted quiere que ellos vengan a los Estados Unidos? ¿Qué está pensando? En estos momentos me gustaría que ellos pudieran venir a Estados Unidos, pero no la misma vía que yo tomé. ¿Y cómo me siento? Bueno, sentimentalmente quebrado. Eh, no es fácil estar sin los hijos. Creo que ya cuando uno como hombre madura y, y es un padre, prácticamente nuestros beneficios y nuestra felicidad depende de nuestros hijos. So I will, of course, I would like, I would love for them to be here. I would like to bring them here in the United, into the United States, but not through the same path that I came. Not, of course, when you mature, you are a grown man and you have a family. Uh, we know that a great part of our happiness, everyday happiness, is given to us through our children. So I am broken. I am. My heart is broken. My feelings are broken because, of course, they're not here. The journey that you speak of is is very treacherous. It's very dangerous. Going through that part of the jungle. Do you care to talk about that? What about your journey itself and going through, especially that jungle area? Is there anything you want to share about that journey? Todos sabemos que caminar a través del paso del Darién es algo supremamente difícil, riesgoso y complicado. ¿A usted le gustaría hablar un poco con respecto a esa parte específica de su viaje, estar sumergido en la jungla, en la selva? Ok, claro que sí. Bueno. Of course, I will. Estar dentro de la selva es muy peligroso, pero quienes lo hacen mucho más peligroso prácticamente son los guías. So, uh, by itself, being in the jungle, of course, has its very own risks, but the risk is multiplied by the presence of those guides, the people who are supposedly guide us through the jungle. What, what about the guides? ¿Qué, ¿Qué quiere decir con respecto a estos guías? Por ejemplo, 
no tendría explicación que ellos volvieran tan pronto al otro día al mismo camino cuando nosotros tardamos hasta siete días para recorrerlos. Mientras más difícil sea para nosotros, más pueden cobrar ellos dinero. Y eso es lo que hacen, tratar de buscar vías que sean más difíciles para que nosotros podamos pagar más dinero. So, to us, the, the very first red flag was the fact that they will disappear at night and they will come back during the day. And they will do that in less than 24 hours. How come that it took us seven days to go through the whole jungle? We knew right away that they will give you or guide you through much more treacherous routes or paths in order to be able to charge us more because they will charge us for the time that we will be walking through the jungle. Oh, so they're taking the, the long way, no short. Entonces, ellos se saben todos los atajos, pero para las personas que están caminando guiadas por ellos, les dan el largo camino, el camino más largo. Claro que sí, Correct. el camino más largo. That's the longest pathway. Wow. What other stories can you tell of your travels? ¿Qué otras historias nos puede contar usted con respecto a este viaje? Bueno, en este viaje caí en un, se puede decir, en un pozo este, estuve tapado hasta la parte del cuello por arena, es una especie de barro. Los animales podríamos decir que más bien escapan de nosotros, aunque las culebras al ser rastreras, ellas se mantienen en su sitio. Vi cuerpos en descomposición, Uf. pude ver este, personas desaparecidas. Este, se sabe que hay violaciones, eso es muy bien documentado. Pero para ser sinceros, eh, todo esto se promueve a través del terror que puede representar porque es una manera de controlar la población que está yendo hacia el destino que es Estados Unidos. Yeah, I, I can tell you many things about uh, my time there. For example, animals. The animals, wild animals, they are not a problem. They uh, they see you and they run, except for the snakes, though. Those are vicious. I fell in quicksand and I was submerged up to my uh, neck. That was wow. scary. Uh, I saw bodies, dead people, they were decomposing all are like through the path. Uh, sexual abuse, violation, we all know that that is an everyday every instance there happens all the time and is well known and publicized mm -hmm. but I can tell you something uh, the guides quote unquote they tell a horrible story about going through the passage to amplify the need for the people to hire them so things probably are not as bad as usted finalmente llegó a la frontera de los Estados Unidos. ¿Qué tan fácil fue cruzar? Cruzamos a través de una especie de balsa desde el río. So we went through the Rio Grande and of course we crossed in a little boat. 
de decir que cómo sería, para mí es prácticamente muy fácil, solamente que es un juego psicológico de parte de los que están cruzando personas desde México hasta aquí para poder decir que es difícil, pero en realidad no es difícil. It, it wasn't a big deal at all. It was very the, the easiest part for me. Wow. And uh, but it's also very well manipulated by those Mexican handlers to find who finally tell you to go through. Nothing. I came in a balls from one side of the river to the other. And you were there, okay. So now that you're here, first of all, why did you choose to come to Madison? Eh, ahora usted ya está en los Estados Unidos. ¿Por qué Madison? ¿Por qué escogió venir a Madison? Bueno, escoger Madison fue más que todo por mi forma de ser personal. Soy una persona que le gusta la tranquilidad, no le gusta el trajín o lo rápido que puede ser una ciudad, por ejemplo, como Houston. Aparte, tengo interés en aprender su cultura y también su idioma. Y quise como enfrentarme al idioma y creo que Madison es una buena opción. So, I think that I chose Madison because the way my personality is, because of my character. I am a quiet individual. I don't like crowds. I don't like noise. I don't like fast-paced lifestyle. For example, Houston. No. Mm -hmm. Also, I said I want to immerse myself in the culture. So, I decided to come here and confront myself with the language barrier. And that's what I am here mm -hmm. in Madison. Yeah. We're speaking with uh, Jean-Claude Alvarez. He's a, a recent arrival here to Madison from Venezuela. He walked all the way from Venezuela and it took him over a month to get here. He's living in Madison now. I'm also with Adrian Soto, who is a member of the Interpreters Co-op of Madison. What is the Interpreters Co-op? The Interpreters Cooperative of Madison is, uh, of course, sorry for the redundance, <laughs> a co cooperative that it was formed many years ago, over 14 years ago, in order to bring language justice to Madison, Dane County, and Wisconsin. So we, at this moment, we can interpret or translate in more than 44 languages. And uh, we, I think that we are promoting better rates, better opportunities for all sorts of clients to be able to uh, have us in order to break that language barrier. And I, I want to thank you and uh, Steve from the Interpreters yeah. Co-op for Steve uh, Herrick, is, he's our president. Mm -hmm. He is a founder, founder member and he has been working really hard to see this cooperative to fruition nowadays. You're right. And people can call you if oh, they have yeah. uh, Interpreters have Cooperative of Madison. You can go into the internet. You can call us and we are ready to take on whatever you want us to do. All right. Also joining us is Dennis Noonan from the uh, Catholic Workers uh, Movement. Can you talk a little bit about how you met Jean-Claude and, and also what you guys are providing here in Madison? Thank you, Tony, and uh, thanks for uh, inviting us to the show. I am with uh, a Catholic Worker uh, Movement. It's a lay movement of the Catholic Church. Last year, we uh, formed a group to purchase through a nonprofit association a single uh, family house here on the west side of Madison. And uh, our intention, as we've done, is to provide temporary housing while people are transitioning uh, new to newcomers to the United States 
focusing on uh, uh, those uh, coming from Latin America. To do this, we are in contact and have a relationship with uh, Catholic Multicultural Center here in Madison, mm-hmm. where through them we met Jean and the other members of the community right now. We have a total of eight people living in, in the house. They are in transition, all looking for a more permanent housing within the next few months. Catholic Worker is, like I said, a lay movement, and the goal is to carry out the the works of mercy inspired by Jesus Christ, by the Gospels. And uh, our founder, Dorothy Day, many of you know, uh, 1930 started a, a single house of hospitality in New York, and today there are roughly 175 different houses throughout, mostly the United States, but also in Canada, Mexico, uh, Great Britain. We have heard they're trying to start one in, in Africa, in Uganda wow. right now, all, all independent. Jean-Claude, what, what do you wish for yourself here in Madison? Jean-Claude, ¿cuáles son sus deseos para usted personales aquí estando en Madison? Bueno, lo que más quiero es crecer académicamente. Eh, para mí sería importante desarrollar el idioma inglés como segundo idioma y poder perfeccionarlo para tener mejores oportunidades tanto para mí como para mi familia. Mostly, I would like to develop myself intellectually and academically. Also, I would like to be proficient in English, English as a second language for me, because I think that that is going to be bringing well-being, of course, to me and, of course, by extension to my family. Thank you all for uh, being here today. Adrian, thank you very much. And the Interpreters Cooperative and Stephen and Dennis. Thank you, and Jean-Claude. Thank you, and uh, welcome welcome to Madison. Bienvenido a Madison. Gracias. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all. And that does it for our show. Thanks for listening to WORT's Live Local News at 6. Your headline writer this evening was Nate Carlin. Your reporter was Charlie Bielowski. Special thanks to feature contributors Brenda Conkle and Dylan Brogan, along with WORT contributors Bill Kingsbury and to- Tony Castaneda. Faye Parks produced this newscast, and Shally Pittman is a jack-of-all-trades. She's not only our news director at WORT, but she also engineered tonight's program. I'm your host, Sam Swartz. And I'm your host, Rachel Fields. Stay up to date with the WORT Local News Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen. Up next is another live edition of the most freeform show on your radio dial, The Access Hour. Tonight's guest, Art Paul Schlosser. Good night. Good night.